0: All right, well good evening. It's good to be with you all here tonight. Glad you're here. Glad for the privilege uh, that Pastor Wally's given us to be able to preach. And, um, you know, just thinking about Pastor, uh, I think he told me uh, before he left that he had like something like 14 messages to preach this week. So I just had two. I have this one and then the one for Sunday school, but our pastor has 14 and then he's got probably a 15th uh, Sunday morning. And so like Joe said, he hasn't taken a week off in a couple weeks and I just thank God that we have a, a pastor that's still pressing, right? Amen. Even though he's almost, what, three score and ten. I think he's got a, I think he's got a little ways before that. But, but he's still pressing towards the mark. And so, you know what, that segues good into the message tonight. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because tonight, uh, I want to provoke you all to fight. I want to provoke you to fight. I want to provoke you to be fighters. I think God wants us to fight and to be fighters. And just in saying that, you might at first be like, fight? What? Uh, Because there's just some words that people just automatically contact, uh, attack, I'm sorry, put a negative context to, right? Uh, Like one of the words would be hate, right? Pastor just preached a message on God is love. And, you know, of course, as Christians, we're not supposed to ever hate anything, but that's not not really true because hate is not always a bad thing. I think we can always all agree that we ought to hate the things God hates, right? We ought to hate sin. We ought to hate pride. We ought to hate envy. Uh, there's some things we ought to hate. So hate's not always bad. And guess what? Fighting's not always bad either. You know, uh, there of course is some bad fighting. You know, infighting amongst each other, uh, fighting over envy or uh, things like that, or physical fighting, violence. That's not always uh, good. But there is a good kind of fighting. And tonight I want to provoke you to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're just going to start in the first verse to get some context and read down to verse 13. It says, says, starting in verse 1, "...let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor." that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, But doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and a many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, Meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We'll stop right there. I said 13, but I lied, it's 12. Uh, so that's going to be actually our focus verse tonight is there in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereinto thou art also called and has professed a good profession among many witnesses. You know, in preparing this message, I reread the whole letter of 1 Timothy and kind of got a, a new perspective. Is at the beginning of the letter, it's obviously the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy who says his is son in the faith, his protege, a man that he ordained to be a pastor. He trained for the ministry, and at the beginning of the letter, he says that he besought him to stay back at Ephesus, a place where the Apostle Paul spent most, uh, more time than anywhere else on his missionary journey. He besought him to stay back in Ephesus and give charge to them that they teach no other doctrine. And he made it clear from the very beginning that this was not going to be easy, that he would be in a fight. Right, he says at the end of uh, chapter 1 uh, in verse 18, if you want to turn there, uh, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Right, he's making it clear that you're going to war. You're going to battle. This isn't going to be easy. And of course, he wasn't talking about a physical fight. He was talking about a spiritual fight. Again, that's the good fight of faith. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, Our fight is a spiritual battle. And so he's saying, look, uh, you're going to have to war good warfare. He tells him again here that he needs to fight. Uh, the good fight of faith and and some of the other pastoral epistles to Apostle Paul, he equates the same thing as preaching the gospel, being a pastor, uh, just being a servant of Jesus Christ as, as warfare, and us as uh, soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so as I read this letter, it's kind of almost like a soldier's handbook, right? He's given him his orders, he's given his commands, the things he needs to do and to charge them with, uh, but then sprinkled throughout, this letter, and sometimes it almost seems like they come out of nowhere, is just these great statements about Jesus Christ that almost like to motivate him, like, hey, this is why you're doing what you're doing. This is why you're, you're fighting this fight of faith. It, these things are hard that I'm telling you to do, but boom, here's something about Jesus to keep you going. Right? At the uh, end of uh, chapter 1, he has one of those where he says uh, in verse 15, um, I'm not in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 15... He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Uh, go to verse chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And then the chapter we're in, chapter 6, go down with me to verse 14. It says that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in His times... He shall shew who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Right? That's a powerful group of verses right there. Jesus Christ, who is the potentate, the King of kings, and Lord of Lords may I say, What is potentate? Potentate is like he is supreme. There is no other authority higher than that of Jesus Christ. He is potentate, king of kings, lord of lords, right? And so you get these verses here sprinkled out, and it's like, yeah, this is why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, You're fighting for Jesus Christ. You get to be a soldier in the Lord's army. You get to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. And so we need to fight the fight of faith. Now let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And again, uh, we're going to just kind of go through some of the verses before we get to uh, verse 12. uh, Because my first point I want to make is that we're going to need to either fight the good fight of faith or we're going to be erring from the faith. Either fight the good fight of faith or you're going to be erring from the faith, okay? And so we see here in chapter 6 at the beginning, you know, he warns of those who uh, would teach otherwise to sound doctrine, to the sound doctrine that the Apostle Paul is teaching that he received from Jesus Christ, that he received from the Holy Spirit of God. He warns people that if there's some that are going to teach otherwise and they're not going to give heed to this doctrine or even the wholesome words of Jesus Christ, then that person's proud. And they don't know anything, right? Uh, uh, Anybody that would teach something contrary to Jesus, they know nothing, right? They're proud. They know nothing. And it says at the end of a long list of things that they're going to, they have uh, problems with. It says here that they suppose that gain is godliness. It says from such withdraw thyself. You know, these are like false prophets. These would be like the prosperity preachers of the day, right? That suppose that, you know, the, the more faith you have, the more stuff you're going to have. The more things and possessions you're going to have in this world. The more money you're going to have, right? The more favor you're, you're going to have with people. Everybody's going to love you. Uh, nothing's going to go wrong in your life. They suppose that gain is godliness. He says, from such withdraw thyself. Because that's not the truth. Right, Because uh, the truth is, the Bible says that if you're going to stand on truth and if you're going to stand for what's right, it's going to cost you something. In the Proverbs, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Uh, It says, buy the truth and sell it not, because if you're going to go after the truth, it is going to cost you something in this world. And that's exactly why uh, there's false prophets out there that suppose that gain is godliness, because they don't want to give up things for the truth. So, they change the truth. Uh, they don't want to give heed to doctrine because they want the things of this world. They want the gain. And so, instead, they just change the doctrine and suppose that gain is godliness. The more you have, well, well, how could that be right? Because look at all I got. Look at all the money we have. Look at all the stuff we have. How could I be doing anything? Look at all the people we have. How could we be doing anything wrong? You got nothing right? That's why they suppose gain is godliness. Uh, They don't want to stand for the truth. And that's what he's warning about here. And he needs to stay in the fight and fight for the faith. Uh, There are going to be others that look at him and say, hey, look, Timothy, you're having a hard time. You're doing this. You're doing that. Hey, hey, you know, look at us. Look at all we've got. You can't be right because you got nothing. You're having a hard time there, buddy. And one of the things he points to that gain is is riches, those that would be uh, desiring to be rich and to have things of this world. Uh, Look what it says there in verse 9. It says, But they that will be rich, their will and desires to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, Those that desire gain, the Bible says, and desire to be rich and to love money and covet after it, they err from the faith. To err is uh, basically to deviate from the right path. Right, Uh, You know the right path. You know the way to walk. You know the way Jesus told us to, the way God wants us to. uh, You deviate from that path. And he's saying those that will be rich, those that want to seek gain and not contentment, uh, godliness with contentment, it says in the scriptures, great great gain have heard from the faith. And so then he tells Timothy, instead of seeking gain, seeking riches, thou, O man of God, flee these things. Run away from that. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and then you need to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, If you're not fighting the fight of faith, you could just be erring from the faith. Right. Now, I, had, uh, I used to do, uh, before I got all these kids and stuff, I used to do martial arts, and I liked to do uh, jiu-jitsu, Brother Joe likes to do some jiu back there, but um, I had this instructor, this guy that was uh, from Brazil, and he was a real intense guy. He was a UFC fighter, professional cage fighter, just super intense guy. I mean, when you were at a match or you were rolling, uh, training in the gym, if he was coaching you, I mean, he could pull stuff out of you just by feeding off his intensity. He would yell a move at you, and you would just all of a sudden be doing it just because you're go- uh, going off of his craziness, and it's like, man... It worked. I need this guy yelling at me all the time. Uh, But he had um, uh, this quote that he would put up in the gym. He had it on some of the shirts that he made. And he says, if you're not fighting for something, then you stand for nothing. Now, that's not Bible, but that's a good quote. Uh, If you're not fighting for something, you stand for nothing, was the quote. And, you you know, God gives us all this natural uh, desire... Uh, with, within us to, to do something, right? We all have a, a kind of a natural desire to do something, to accomplish something, uh, uh, to be driven, to strive, uh, to have some kind of goal to shoot for. And honestly, if you don't, then you're kind of probably living a very depressed existence. Uh, but most of us do. We have a desire to do something, right? And as Christians, if we don't channel uh, this desire into fighting the good fight of faith, we're going to just channel it somewhere else, and that's what a lot of people do. They either channel it for fighting the good fight of faith or they channel it after seeking to be rich. You're either going to fight the good fight of faith or you're going to fight for your favorite sports team. You're going to learn all the stats. You're going to watch all the games. You're going to put on the crazy paint and go all the games and yell at the screen more than you yell amen at church. Uh, you, you don't fight the good fight of faith. You might fight for a sport. You might fight for your favorite hobby. You might fight for your career, you know, running the rat race and working your way up the corporate ladder because we all have that desire. But as Christians, we're supposed to channel that desire into fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. And all those other things are secondary. I didn't say we had to completely abstain from them, but they should be secondary. Our first fight is the fight of faith. And again, if we don't, channel that into fighting the fight of faith then we may just be erring from the faith and, and fall into sin and, and as this thing as the, the verses say many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition A very good example of that is King David uh, go with me to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 Second Samuel chapter 11 I'm sure many of you are familiar with this scripture, and this is what David is most infamous for. This is the uh, great transgression that he committed. But I want you to pay attention to how, before it gets into David's transgression, what these first two verses say here in chapter 11 of Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, notice there that the Holy Spirit makes a specific point that this is a time when the king should go out to battle, and it makes another specific point to tell us that David did not. This was a time when David should have been out to battle. He should have been fighting, but instead he stayed at home. Verse 2. Verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now you see what happened. What, what's going on with David here. I don't know about you guys. When I go to bed, I go to bed. Uh, with, at the end of the day, When I go to bed, I go to sleep and I don't wake up until the next morning. But David, it says here, he got up off his bed in the evening. Uh, So he's not fighting. He's taking a little siesta here. It's the middle of the day and he's just getting up off his bed. That just shows what kind of state he was in right now. And that's when he sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof. He calls for her, commits adultery. Uh, She gets impregnated by him. And then he tries to cover it up by calling her uh, husband, who is in the battle, who is fighting, who is where he's supposed to be, and tries to get him to go where he's not supposed to be, and that man is more, uh, at this time, uh, more honorable, and, and he won't even go down to his own house, because he knows, hey, my brother, brothers are out there fighting, uh, and risking their lives. Why should I go to my wife? Why should I get to eat and sleep in my own bed? And he sleeps out on the street with David's servants. And, and so when he can't uh, he, he won't be persuaded by David to go down to his house. Then David uh, sends a letter to Joab to have him put in a, a hottest part of the battle and retreat from him and have him killed. And, and David, this all happened because David stopped fighting. At this point in time, David should have been fighting. He should have been fighting the fight of uh, the, the Lord, and, and he wasn't. He stayed at home. Right, he erred from the faith at this point because uh, he was not where he should be, and you know, uh, fighting helps to ignite a desire in us for the things of God. Right? I don't, I don't know about you, but not, I, you know, not all the time do I feel like read my Bible, or do I feel like praying, or do I feel like doing the things that I should do? And so sometimes I catch myself in some a similar state as David here, where you're just kind of taking a siesta. But you know. Uh, it doesn't take long where I'll maybe see a YouTube video of some false prophet preaching some false doctrine. Or maybe I'll see some, some Jehovah's false witness out on the street corner with their tower of doom. Uh, you know, and then, then I just get a little ticked off. And then I want to fight. And then I have no problem. Okay, I, let me go read my Bible. Uh, Let me go pray. Let me go do what I'm supposed to do. Look, the devil and his minions are are working hard and they're fighting, so I I need to be fighting. You know, fighting is not always a bad thing. Uh, We need to make sure that we fight for the truth, that we fight for sound doctrine, that we fight for the things that are right. Uh, And and, you know, when I see those things, it's that fight, it's that desire uh, to want to fight the good fight of faith that does help keep me in line. And, And it would help keep David in line. And that's why, again, I thank God that we have a pastor that's still fighting. uh, Because that's why our church is doing so well. Because uh, that guy with his gray hairs, he's still got some fight in him. Uh, He still gets up here and snorts and kicks and does a lot of other things. I mean, uh, that's good. And that's what we need to do. You know, we need to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, Now let's go back to our text. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Fight the good fight of faith. All right, in verse thirteen or verse twelve, it says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life." You know, uh, again, that fighting and the opp- seeing the opposition, like I said, can kind of stir you up to want to fight and get back in it. But it's not just uh, the opposition that can motivate us. Uh, one of the things that should motivate us is is what we have in Jesus. And as it says here, laying hold on eternal life, uh, laying hold on not the things of this world and what we have that's temporary, but laying on hold on eternal life, what we have uh, in eternity with Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to look to the end of the fight, knowing that, hey, we're fighting from a, a position of sure victory. Amen. right well, We're not fighting a battle that we're going to lose. Uh, when you fight the fight of faith, you're already on the winning side. We sing that song, On the Winning Side, right? Because we are on the winning side. And so laying hold on that eternity and eternal life will help keep us uh, motivated and sharp for the battle. Um, you know, the Bible says uh, in one of Timothy's second letters, in 2 Timothy, it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Right? Uh, you get entangled, you're getting, that means you get snared, you get caught up, you get held back in the things of this life. You know, now, I'm not saying we have to completely abstain from the things of this life because we live in this life. Uh, but there's a difference between uh, participating in the things of this life and being entangled in the things of this life. Right. Right? If, if the things of this life are holding you back from fighting the fight of faith... Or doing something that you should for the Lord. uh, You're not just a participant. You are being entangled in the things of this life. And you need to get yourself untangled. Uh, uh, Anything that will hold us back from doing what God has gifted and called us to do. And he's called each and every one of us uh, to fight the fight of faith. It it says here in that verse 12, Whereunto thou art also called. If you're saved here today, then you're called. Uh, that, That means you've got a job. You know, God didn't leave you here uh, to go on vacation. Uh, No, you have a job. And our job is to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and to fight the good fight of faith and not get entangled in the things of the world. And one thing that will help us not to is to lay hold on eternal life. Uh, Go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And in this uh, chapter here, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church who there was divisions and some that were questioning him. And and he's answering in this chapter those that examine him uh, by showing just what he has given up, uh, what he has sacrificed, what he has uh, not allowed himself to do that he's able to do. Right, That he's able to take about a wife, that he's able to, you know, he has liberty as any other Christian to eat whatever he wants. Uh, He has liberty as an apostle and a preacher of the gospel to forbear working and to have the churches uh, supply his need so that he could do that. And he said he didn't take any of these things. That he suffered all these things because he didn't want to hinder the gospel. Uh, That he tempered himself to that degree because he didn't want to hinder the gospel of going forward and anybody getting saved. Um, and so then at the end of this chapter, then he, he compares that with those who, who temper themselves for uh, you know, vain things, for things of worldly things, uh, sports, uh, a race, a fight, a physical fight. Uh, look what he says there in chapter 9, verse 24. He says, "'Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain.' And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So again, he he equates... Uh, you know, what we're doing here uh, for the Lord as a race and as a fight. he says there first in verse 24, that know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain, right? Uh, I used to run, I used to run cross country and track, used to do road races, you know, some of these road races you'd line up and I mean, there's tens of thousands of people. Tens of thousands of people who all did a lot of sacrificing. They did a lot of training uh, to be able to complete this race and most of which... Will run the whole thing. They'll run the whole thing to every last mile, knowing good and well that they have no chance of winning. You know, only one person out of those tens of thousands of people is going to cross the line first. But yet, all of them run, and all of them finish, right? Maybe to get that participation medal, you throw that in the trash. Those things are garbage. That's where they belong, right? Who cares? You finish the race. Only one won, right? That's what Apostle Paul here is saying. He didn't say, well, they all got a participation medal. Nope, only one guy won, sorry. Um, So he says, run that you may obtain. Uh, It says here in verse 25, and every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You know, I love watching, uh, I I still like to watch the fights sometimes, and I like watching, maybe even more so, before the fights, these documentaries, following these guys and chronicling All their training and all the sacrifice that they make, right? These strict diets, I mean, they literally suck every ounce of water out of themselves before these matches, almost to death, uh, just so they can get some kind of an advantage over their opponent. You know, they give up, uh, you know, certain foods. They give up, you know, a lot of them spending time with their family where they'll go off to these training camps for months at a time and only see their family via Facebook or Skype or whatever. Uh, They give up all these things and temper themselves to such a degree just to gain a corruptible crown. Something that's not going to last forever. Right? It, it, it will burn in the end. No, nobody's going to be buried with their little UFC championship belt, and, and it's just going to rust and decay, and it'll be burned up. And nobody's even going to care after a certain amount of time. Uh, when I, grew, when I was, first started watching UFC, man, Chuck Liddell, he was the man. He was knocking out everybody. Now he's just a fat guy who can't even put together any sentences because he's been hit in the head so many times. Nobody cares about that guy anymore. Uh, it's for a corruptible crown, but yet those guys they, they, that strive for mastery, that strive to be the best, that strive to be champions, they sacrifice so much and temper themselves. Um, it says in verse 26, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Now Sophie's going to like this verse. Uh, now, I told you I used to do martial arts. I used to do kickboxing too, Muay Thai kickboxing. And one of the training things that you can do on your own is shadow boxing. And so I would just go around and be shadowboxing all the time, fighting an imaginary person, right? And you can look real good when you're fighting an imaginary guy, right? I imagine myself just doing all kinds of stuff and looking way better than I do. But see, that, that bad habit has stuck with me. Right? Whenever I'm bored and walking around the house, I, I'll start shadow boxing. It drives Maggie nuts. And we did this in a Bible lesson one time, and Sophie's like, Dad, you're one that beateth the air. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, that's, that's me, one that beateth the air. Right? But you can see how pointless and vain somebody that just beats the air. Yeah, anybody can look good when you're just fighting the air, it's not a real fight. You're not really fighting a person. I knew a lot of guys who looked really good beating the air. And then when somebody punched them in the face, they didn't look so good anymore. Right? Because they were just fighting air before. It was vain. It didn't matter. It was not a real fight. Uh, And and that's what people in this world do. That strive for riches. That strive for the nice house. That strive for, uh, you know, just having all the stuff. Uh, that strive for masteries in sports, that strive for mastery, the climb the corporate ladder, uh, and neglect the faith, and err from the faith, and deviate from the fight of faith uh, for what? For a corruptible crown. But look, when we fight for an incorruptible crown, when we lay on hold on eternal life, we have we are fighting for something that really matters. We're we're fighting the only fight in this world that really matters. And God's going to reward us with something that will last for all of eternity. And we need to lay hold on that. Uh, you know, in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, he talked about this reward that we're going to receive those that fight the fight of faith here and now. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm glad he finished that verse that way. You know, he said not to me only, but unto all. Remember we read that one verse where it says, you know, they they run a race and only one receives the prize. It's not so with the Lord Jesus Christ. All who fight the fight of faith, all who run their race for the Lord Jesus Christ are going to receive this crown. All of them that also love his appearing. You know, not every Christian, unfortunately, would probably love the appearing of Jesus Christ because they weren't fighting the fight of faith. You know, and again, to some degree, of course, Jesus is coming back. We're all going to love that to some degree, but to some degree, some are going to wish that, I wish he would just wait a little longer so I could go back and, and actually do something for the Lord here instead of just wasting my life like everybody else. You know, fighting the good fight of faith is a a struggle. And look, if we see people in the world that are willing to temper themselves to a degree for something that doesn't even matter, then we need to get up every day and and say, look, you know what, I'm in a fight that really does matter. So yes, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to protect my thoughts I'm going to get serious about where I'm going, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm doing, how I treat people. And, and, and you've you got to fight it all day long because you've got to carry around this dead carcass all day long that hasn't been born again yet. And, and, and he wants you to do what's wrong. He wants you to err from the faith. And so you got to fight. You've got to fight every second of every day. And if we don't temper ourselves and if we don't grasp hold that, hey, we are in a fight, and, and you just don't get in the fight, you're going to err you're going to lose. You're, you're, you're not going to be where you should be. You're going to be like David when he committed his great sin. Last, last point. if We go back to our, our text verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to focus on that last part where he says, "Where thou hast professed, whereunto thou hast professed a good profession before many witnesses." And another good reason for us to fight the fight of faith is that if you're a Christian here today and you profess faith in Jesus, well, you've professed a good profession. Amen. That's a good profession, and hopefully you've professed it before many witnesses. Now, we all have a, a circle of people in our life. We all have a lot of people in our life that look to us, and hopefully, we've professed that profession—that uh, we're Christians—and so now they're watching, and, and they're going to see what we do. They're going to see how we fight this fight. If if we're just—if we're going to be truly different and actually fight the fight of faith, or we're just going to be just like them. And, and uh, there's going to be people that look to us and look to our influence, our kids, or those that are younger than us, or those that are in ministry with us, right? Uh, It matters how we fight because it affects how other people are going to fight. Uh, Go with me uh, back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Right? He's saying, look, I want you to take heed, take hold of this stuff, and so that you, you're going to profit, you're going to prosper because of it, and I want everybody else to see it. I want everybody else to see you're benefiting, and you need to take heed to yourself. You know, make sure you take heed to yourself that you're doing these things. You're not just preaching them. Remember what the Apostle Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. What good would it do Timothy to be preaching these sound doctrines if he himself wasn't taking heed to it and becomes a castaway, becomes vain, and errs from the faith? Don't you think all those people that hurt him are going to err too? Uh, there's probably going to be a good amount of them. And so that's what he's saying. You shall both save thyself and them that hear thee. Right? Uh, when we fight as soldiers, it, it matters uh, because of those that are around us and, and helping them fight their battle. Uh, in Deuteronomy, in chapter twenty, uh, let's just go ahead and go there. We have time. Deuteronomy chapter twenty, and this is Moses' last messages to the children of Israel before he dies and before uh, the mantle is passed over to Joshua, and they go into uh, into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, and they have. Many battles to fight. because, And and it's really not them that's got to do the fighting. If they trust the Lord, he says he's going to fight the battles. Uh, But he gives a a list of things here that, look, if these men, these soldiers that are going out to fight, um, you know, if there's some things, affairs of this life that they're caught up in, you know, send them home. And and what I want to focus on is what he says in verse 8. He says in in chapter 20, verse 8, "...and the officers shall speak further unto the people." And they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his. Right? He didn't want anybody faint hearted. He didn't want anybody second guessing themselves or, or the Lord. Uh, they didn't want to second guess their faith in the Lord and, and their ability to win this battle. If they were fearful and faint hearted, send them home because it's going to be infectious. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Right, that fear and that that doubt—it's going to affect the other soldiers, and they're going to get afraid. So just send them home. Right, and so again, when we profess a good profession of of being uh, soldiers of Jesus Christ, uh, then it matters that we're fighting the fight of faith. Because if we're faint-hearted and fearful, and and we fall away, uh, well, then that just may affect other people to do the same thing, especially within a church body. You know, we're a body. And so if you think what you do, especially if you have a place of uh, a leadership uh, in this church, if you think the things that you do and what you spend your time on at home and, and how you conduct yourself and how you fight the fight of faith doesn't matter here, uh, well, you, you're affecting a lot more than you think. Amen. Right? Because we're a body. Yeah. And, and again, that's why I thank God that we have a pastor that fights the fight of faith because it helps us stay in the fight. And so... Hopefully tonight I've accomplished the goal that the Lord has accomplished the goal of provoking you to fight uh, the fight of faith. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over now to Brother Joe.